Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good evening. Just quickly change SB3 from Louis to himself. How are you doing, guys? Alex McCarthy's Wrestling Daily here. Thank you for joining us for another episode here on the Wrestling Daily YouTube channel. Make sure you give us that thumbs up. Subscribe while you're here. Get that stuff in early, man, you know. Um, make sure you give us all of that love. And thank you for joining us once more. Uh, SB3 and I are steering the ship today. There will be some NXT talk. We've got some news in the wrestling world. Uh, there's Tony Storm is to be proud of. And yeah. of course, um, we're going to have a bit of a debate as well. We touched on it last week. We're going to give you the full thing in terms of GMs and who is the GOAT and what are Mount Rushmore's look like so that's how the show will pan out but of course there can always be a run-in from you good eggs if you send your ultra chats to wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestling daily you can say whatever you like spark a debate have a hot take talked about some news what the show you've seen whatever it is get it in to us wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestling daily without further ado when i say those fabled daily words you know who's coming my daily brother the daily boy himself sp3 how are you man i'm doing well alex like you i was spending the day with my kids uh i've been i i just ate a nice little lunch so i'm ready to talk about some wrestling I, i'm i'm all full and ready to talk about some big e plans some nxt and my mount rushmore of authority figures is going to impress even the 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 sp3 deniers out there everybody will be on my side after they hear my mount rushmore of authority figures where, i know it's where, like one or two where are these them. where are these deniers but, like one or two of them out there. It's okay. It's okay. I love you guys too. The haters, the haters make you better, you know? <laughs> I, I, I posted a photo in support of Tony Storm yesterday, um, just like us two together. And somebody commented under it saying, I knew you was one of those guys. I was like, what, <laughs> what do you mean one of those guys? Like someone who supports Pride Month? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, this is what I say. Even if Mr. Positivity himself, Alex McCarthy, has some deniers and some haters out there, I know oh, I do as well. Yes. The, the, the Daily Boys, come on. You know, the Daily Boys were one of the most hated tag teams in ECW history. He, he seekers, they were. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. There's some strange people on Twitter. Anyway, um, yes, there will be a bit of a debate later on. Uh, you know, SB3 is going to get his chance to get a dub back. I've been, I've been like just delaying these debates man to stay on top you know how it goes um you know like like an ocada rain you know you have one defense at every like i don't know nine months um but awesome uh thank you very much for joining us tonight i'll always look forward to being with the brother sp3 uh there is some cool stuff to touch on about nxt we all know the diamond mine has now arrived uh, but before we get into the first bit of news the titular news as we like to do look at these guys with their special logos. Yes. And you know why they've got that? Because they are Wrestling Daily members. Yeah, Lizzie Stallion chucking those emotes in the chat. Um, guys, to do that, to become part of the squad, and it is a great squad we've amassed thus far, by the way. Uh, it's the description in the video. Make sure you go in there. SB3 and I will throw you an impromptu 
party. I don't know. I'm looking around my table now thinking I, I don't know I, I, how. I got, I got a party a party pop figure for the hey. first person. Hey, the don't... first person. Yeah, I'm not going to put it out yet. But yeah, yeah. It's, it, it was my Father's Day gift. It's ready to dance and party for the first member that we get to join the good egg elite. That's my new my new uh, slogan. My new slogan for all the members of the Wrestling Daily is the Good Egg Elite. The G E E G. Go green, everyone, in every kind of way. Go green. You want that green name? Come and join us. Um, let's get into the titular news now. Uh, it has been speculated by Wrestle Votes today. Well, I say speculated. He says that he's heard murmurs. SB three that Big E could be making his way over to Raw. In the next draft. Now, of course, that comes, I believe, a week or two after SummerSlam this year. Um, and the idea is that, yes, the New Day would be on the same show, but it wouldn't be a reunion in the traditional sense. It still would be very much Big E in the main event scene, solo run, moving forward. And I've got to say, SP3, off the bat, seems like a good idea to me because Roman is like a real roadblock on SmackDown right now that I don't think anyone should really interrupt. Um, so it's very hard for a Cesaro or a Big E to break through to that top echelon when Roman is there. And at the same time, conversely, I don't think the Raw main event scene is that deep at all. Yeah. So, you know, especially when they've put AJ Styles out into the tag division and he's eating nails, apparently. Um, and... You know, on that note, Randy Orton's kind of done the feud with Drew. Drew is done with Bobby. Like, they need to freshen up in the worst way. Big E could be a great call. Yes, I got the report here from Russell Votes. It says, uh, I've heard from a few sources an idea making the rounds. Big E moving from SmackDown to Raw in the post-SummerSlam draft while still be pushed as a singles. In essence, New Day back together without necessary being a team. If so, E would become a fresh face for the Raw main event scene. So to kind of pick a, piggyback off of what you said, it's kind of very telling with the fact that, you know, before the John Cena rumor, for SummerSlam, I've heard you in the past talk about, you know, Seth Rollins going up against against Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. On the other hand, if you go to the Raw side, if it's not Lesnar versus Lashley, what, what the is hell it? is the, it's the WWE Championship matchup at SummerSlam? Like, at least Rollins and Reigns are two stars that have been established. They're two guys that have a whole bunch of history together, and they would deliver a great match, as we've seen from them in the past. Lashley has, you know, Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank. I heard people talking about Kofi versus Lashley at SummerSlam, and I was just like, that's not big enough. And I love me some Kofi Kingston. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Kofi Kingston. I was a part of the whole Kofi Mania movement, trust me. But he's not big enough a star because of how WWE has booked him ever since his title loss to be up against Bobby Lashley. And I don't think there's many people that think he's going to defeat Bobby Lashley at Money in the Bank. I, I heard our call-in uh, guest, Priz, yesterday with his great suggestion of, you know, Kofi winning the WWE title, Xavier winning the King of the Ring, and Big E winning Money in the Bank. And that's a great idea, but, you know, we're, we were, you guys were, like, up in the clouds talking about something that I don't think, if you put your Vince hat on, is realistic at all because nice. that's not the way Vince thinks. So I think this move for Big E, it presents someone who can make a rise to the top. Because even if you take out like Seth Rollins on SmackDown, they still left a lot of room to go back to like a Cesaro. They still, you know, Kevin oh, Owens has got loads of options. Kevin Owens has a built-in story because of how many times he was screwed from, from Roman Reigns. Like, I know he's taking time off. We heard on uh, his Twitter page he's taking a few months off. He gets, you know, a fresh coat of paint coming back after a couple of months and goes back after Roman. I think that he would be perfect, another guy that can dethrone Roman Reigns. Like, And then Roman has the bigger names like John Cena, Brock Lesnar, The Rock, that people want to see him against. With Lashley, it's like Lesnar or Bus. So you need someone who can make a rise and have that trajectory up to him. And I think Big E versus Bobby Lashley, now that's a match that very much interests me and it would play yes. into the story that we got going on between the New Day and MVP and Lashley. I was just about to say that, right? Kofi comes up short and, it, you know, if that is the case that Kofi gets the shot 
at SummerSlam. You know, it might even be a case that Kofi wins it at Money in the Bank and then drops it at SummerSlam. I don't think it is. But, you know, let's say they did do that. Then it could be, okay, here comes Big E to like say, well, now now I'm going to give it, you know, I'm going to be your test. I just, I don't see WWE ever putting every egg in the New Day basket. That that seems difficult to believe. Um, you wrap up all the storylines they possibly could into one faction. Yeah. That's the same reason I don't really buy that Anuso is going to win the money in the bank either. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I do think it would be tremendous for Big E to get, like, you could literally put Big E and Cesaro over from SmackDown onto Raw. And all of a sudden, that main event scene has a totally, totally different outlook because conceivably, both of them could beat Lashley, right? Like, sure. if, if, if you were to put them up against him on pay-per-view, and there's nothing against it because it's one of those where, you know, okay, I'm going to enjoy Kofi and Lashley. I just don't think Kofi will win. I'm, like, very certain Lashley will retain. And that was the same when Cesaro faced Roman. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. going to be great, but nobody believed that Cesaro was going to defend Roman. It's just a good challenger. You want those matchups where you don't know. They're the best matchups in wrestling, where you literally oh. think they could do anything here. Like this could, and, and that the triple threat of Mania was a bit like that. You know, yeah. Roman, well, you know, will they take it off Roman? Well, it's a triple threat. So if they were going to, and oh, they just had that fairy tale comeback, surely they wouldn't not put it on him. Like Brian was the only one that people were like, it won't be him. But you just didn't yeah. know how it was going to factor in. Everyone was like, how many people said, I think me included, oh, Brian will eat the pin. I mean, he did, but along with edge like nobody really yeah. called that so you remember um, a lot of our conversation when edge was supposed to be the baby face i was convinced they were going to their to the well once again of the yeah. baby face returning and winning the 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 universal championship i was convinced of that until he turned heel and then i was like okay now you you made it a little bit of a mystery for me so i 100 am with you on that yeah, and that's the thing. Like when Edge hit that home run promo before the Rumble, then won the Rumble. I thought, oh man, they're going all the way with this. They have yeah. to. Um, and then obviously things adjusted, and I'm glad they did because Roman, as I've said, he like you you have to play your hot hand the same way AEW is playing Britt Baker right now. You have to play your hot hand. Roman is the hottest thing in the business. He's the, arguably the biggest star. I know that semantics, but either way, he is red hot. You go with it, and I think when you look at the story. For him to get to, okay, let's say he does have Cena at SummerSlam, right? Does that. Potentially Brock at Survivor Series. Don't know how that's going to look, but if it was Lashley, whatever. He'll overcome that again. And then you're on to Royal Rumble season and hopefully the Rock at WrestleMania. That is like going to be an all-time run that people speak yeah. about, right? Like a, a real legendary career-defining run. Now, that's not to be taken lightly. That's not to be messed with. If you've got that, you just got to keep going. And that's the thing when you look at SmackDown. I could think of five or six different ways you could go with Roman, right? You could do something with Jimmy at a pay-per-view, right? How many? I mean, how many pay-per-views? We're, we're, we're with the eighth month. Let's say there's six months till you're on the road to WrestleMania. So you need six. Jimmy Uso, uh, Sami Zayn. If you wanted to do Big E, he's right there. Kevin Owens could return, um, you know, that Daniel Bryan or Edge didn't do a singles if they were to return at a certain point. Edge, particularly, I'm thinking here, could mm -hmm. say, you know, he could say when he returns on that SmackDown episode, I didn't get the singles with Roman I wanted. Um, there are lots of different options on SmackDown, whereas Raw, they've obviously put Styles into the tag division. Orton had his like renaissance last year. And I just don't think it would feel right if he, I think what he's doing with Riddle right now is kind of perfect. Let, let that manifest. Yeah. So outside of Drew, who are your viable contenders to Lashley? They're, you know, Jeff Hardy, they've beaten into the ground. If they wanted to make a good story there, uh, Riddle seems to be on his way up. But again, like, whereas SmackDown just looks so deep, I can't say the same for Raw. So if they were to move over Cesaro and Big E, I just I just think that could inject such life into it because they're two guys everyone wants to see win the title. And that is a realistic way that they could. Yeah, and, you know, Big E, I, I know that I just, you know, shot down the suggestion of the, of the New Day triple threat, but Big E coming over to Monday Night Raw with the money in the bank, 
now you got a lot of intrigue. And like we just said, like there's a lot of storyline just into it, especially if, you know, Xavier Woods is taking time off, like was also uh, reported, you know, to host G4 and the other obligations that he has. That means that Bobby Lashley took out Xavier. Then at Money in the Bank, he could take out uh, Kofi. You know, he can have his match with Lesnar or someone else at SummerSlam. And then after SummerSlam, Big E comes over and he could just have the briefcase in hand. And it you have a long-term storyline that you can tell that Big E is kind of the shadow over Bobby Lashley's Bobby Lashley's title reign. And it makes things a lot more interesting because, like you said, you suggested Cesaro coming over from SmackDown. There's a whole bunch of guys. Kevin Owens can come over from Monday Night Raw. They seem to love to switch Kevin Owens on brands. Oh, it yeah. seems like every draft he switches brands. So Kevin Owens can come over from uh, SmackDown to Raw, and he's another viable title contender. So there is a lot that they can do. Like we we kind of see through, you know, see through that probably in the draft, Drew McIntyre is going to move over to SmackDown because there's a lot they can do with him and uh, Roman Reigns. He's another guy that Roman has unfinished business with that he can potentially face. But you kind of have to even things out and make that move over. And Big E seems like a very potential top baby face that can go up against Lashley and people will believe he can beat Lashley because Lashley's been booked very well outside of Roman Reigns. I say he's like the best booked person, but he's not untouchable. Is he saying that that finish to hell in a cell? Because I was like, for a guy you've been pushing so hard for a guy that you, you didn't want to give the baby face, you know, the baby face having the big win at WrestleMania, you wanted him to look strong. And then you have a hell in a cell match that ends in a roll up and, I, I went back, I did an article for Sports Kita, and I did the six greatest Hell in a Cell matches. So I had to look through all of the Hell in a Cells in history. There's never been a roll-up finish to a Hell in a Cell. I just want to let everybody know that. I mean, WWE, WWE probably think that makes it unique, right? <laughs> they they probably think, oh, well, you've never seen this before. It, the, the finish would have been fine if it was exactly the same, but instead of the roll-up, it's the Hurt Lock. Yeah. Like it would or have been exactly fine. Or spirit. Well, I would well, yeah. Spirit if Drew, you want to Drew, Drew is Drew is um like focused on MVP. Why don't you just come up behind him, Paul Nelson? I ah yeah. ah I don't know. I don't know. Like, I it wasn't my problem. It was the roll up, honestly. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. But like, you could do exactly that part where Drew has got his back turned and distracted, and all you need is Bob Lashley to come up behind him, hurt lock, done deal. You don't need to do the roll up, but you know. Again, WWE in their inventive ways. Never been a roll-up, brother. Um, I must say that I forgot to even mention Seth Rollins in that six-month stretch that I was yeah. talking about for for Roman Reigns. Um, you could even make an easy story out of Montez Ford if you wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like when fans are back, they'll be really hot on Montez. So, um, and before they let Alistair Black go, there was another one. Like, they... <sighs> Like, WWE are not short on options on the SmackDown side. But on Raw, I just feel like they need to keep it fresh Um, because the guys like Orton and uh, Sheamus, you know, they're they're, they're great. They're great at what they do, but it's like, do people want to see them go for a title again right now? I don't think they do. Um, And that's where, like, the riddles of this world are hopefully going to be making a step up in the near future. But I just feel like... You know, even though like a Kevin Owens is ripe for the title, he's had it. Although yeah. I'd like, I would like to see him have it again. But I'm just saying, for like Cesaro and Big E, I think for them to move over would be particularly beneficial. But I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. You know what could happen? SP3 is there could be some promotions from NXT. Which could make I, things interesting. I was just thinking of a guy we haven't been mentioning that's supposed to be coming back to the main roster, Finn Balor. Finn Balor either, makes things either, very interesting. Either Raw or SmackDown, he makes things very interesting. And that's the thing with Lashley for me. Like I know he's been booked super well, and I it's, it's one of them where like if you gave me a legitimate, you know, you just said it, Finn Balor, I could see that being a credible challenge. That's where I'm watching the pay per view. Like, hmm, I wonder what they're going to do here. Like, I want you know, he could he could lose because Lashley is that kind of champion. Although he's super well booked, I don't think like he's there forever, guy. Or, you know, he might not have another reign after this. It's one of them. It's just like, you know, it's took him so long to get here. Um, But you look at maybe an NXT and uh, and Adam Cole or someone like that, like people who could come up. It's very, very interesting what they'll do. It really is. Um, But I say the NXT 
pivot because of course there was NXT last night and speaking of Adam Cole he was in the opening match SP3 uh taking on Carmelo Hayes I mean I like anyone who sports the name Carmelo in wrestling because uh Anthony how is no one taking that name yet I don't know um (laughs) but anyway uh there was a little bit of the continuance with Adam Cole and Samoa Joe SP3 Yes, uh, he was very upset over what happened last week with getting choked out by uh, Samoa Joe. So he basically denied the opportunity to pick his opponent, which led to Carmelo Hayes coming out and making the challenge and having a little callback to John Cena's debut at third angle. And he says, you know, what's that saying? Ruthless aggression, same energy, and slapped Adam Cole, which I thought was a great opening salvo to this matchup that – turned out to be really, really fun. And it made Carmelo Hayes look like a star once again. Uh, This guy has star potential. He just, you know, he had a little bit of speaking here, but in two matches, he just has a lot of charisma to him and a lot of flair. I got to see him over here on the East Coast for like Battle Club Pro and a whole bunch of other places. So I know the talent that Christian Casanova is, but the Carmelo Hayes version of him is really started off well in NXT and Adam Cole made him look good. And for the first time in 2021, Adam Cole got a victory, a singles victory. The Uh guy that's gotten two NXT championship matches this year finally got a singles victory in 2021. Isn't that great? He's not living off of that 400-day-plus reign anymore. He got a singles victory. But this was, even though Cole got the victory, I felt like this was a showcase for Carmelo Hayes, which made me like it a lot. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which is the same as what it was for Cena and Angle all them years ago, 2002. Um, And I think from what I've seen of Carmelo Hayes thus thus far, like he has that edge and look where, you know, he is, it's not like they just wheeled anyone out and replayed the Cena angle, right? Like this is a guy who really could be something. Uh, He certainly strikes me as having that potential. So working with Cole off the bat is a great thing. Kind of a callback to what uh, WWE NXT has done with the women recently, uh, you know, Zoe Stark, obviously working with, as we're going to get into in a minute, the top women straight off the bat, which kind of led you, you know, okay, this she's for real. So it yeah. seems like Carmelo Hayes is going to have a similar rub. Speaking of Zoe Stark, she was teaming up with Io Shirai versus uh, Aaliyah and Jesse Kamiya, who, you know, flanked by Robert Stone, pretty much gave away the result from the jump. Um, what do you make of this, SB3? 
Um, I was okay with this. Uh, this was like the only segment I wasn't like uh, thumbs up for. Uh, I'm still a little bit like the Io Shirai Zoe Starks. I'm still disappointed. I was like, give me Saray it's is Io Shirai. I would have liked that a little bit more, but I did like the promo before it where you know Io Shirai established that I respect Zoe Stark, but I I, I don't like you. Thank you, Mix. Uh, <laughs> Parts. I love that name. Parts. I love yes. that name. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, I, I'm still like so so on their whole. They did look good in the tag team match, and you know, a good match with Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea, who aren't like the top echelon of the women's division. I think you can, you know, call that a positive. But the the post match, oh man, I, I know uh Tempest and Pete kind of echoed this on the NXT podcast on the other channel earlier, but I, uh, for people who have seen me on True Hill Heat all the way back when uh, Ember Moon was in NXT, I was not the biggest fan of her. I was kind of a really? because I, I think she's great in the ring, but once you put a mic in front of her, I think the whole gimmick falls apart because she was very whiny in the feud against Asuka. Like, oh, you cheated at Orlando and I, I can't, I'm supposed to get this victory. And this doesn't, this doesn't match up with the Ember Moon type of character that they built up. And this reminded me that I don't like Ember Moon on the mic. I like her very much in the ring. I thought she was great at In Your House. I think she's been great with the partnership with Shotzi Blackheart. But them on the mic together was a very, very annoying. I was like, the only babyface team here to me is Io Shirai and Zoe Sark. And I'm not even yeah. sold on that team. So. Well, I mean, I love Dakota and Raquel, and they're not meant to be yeah. babyfaces either. Yes. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, ah, this might be controversial because I see a lot of people love her. I've always kind of, kind of found Shotzi Blackheart annoying. Like, again, I, I yeah. love her. I love watching her. But like I don't know, like the wolf call, whatever you want to call it, and just the I don't know the the energy just isn't. I think you're right. Like the mix of her and Ember, whilst pretty good in the ring, yeah, you know it, I I don't know when it comes to the talking aspect of it. Um, and that's a shame. Like it might just be how they're cast. I don't want to like just say they're bad talkers because you know I'll give you an example. I don't think Sasha Banks is a bad talker. No. But I did not like her at all on the mic in her latest run at all. Like the no. whole, the whole fake laugh that she used to do. <laughs> like she was, I was like, what, what are you doing? Like, why, do, why do WWE love laughing gimmicks? I know, <laughs> I know. And and again, I was watching this and I was more frustrated because I was like, I know she can talk. So like, you know, I liked it when the boss just had a whole load of kind of, you know, confidence, borderline arrogance. That's what I liked. Not this whole, I don't know the weird, weird laughter. Um, I, I I don't know. It just didn't work for me. The same thing with Shotzi and Ember. Like I do I, again. I've been a big Ember fan um, throughout her run, but you know, as you were talking, I did think to myself, probably more for the wrestling. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, can't deny it too much. Uh, anyway, we'll leave them alone. Uh, moving on to the way versus Pete Dunn and Oni. Lorcan, uh, you know, who was I speaking to last week who said only Lorcan was like really uh, Steve Macklin? He said only Lorcan is like the snuggest to work with. But he goes, it's not stiff, but snug, very snug. Uh, and and when you watch only Lorcan, I can buy that. So, um, the way versus Pete Dunn and only Lorcan, of course, they are like or were, I don't know what's going on with that stable anymore, to be honest, but they were stable mates. Um, <laughs> Gargano and Theory. They told the fans that NXT needed a new NXT champion with new management backstage. Of course they did. Uh, he called out Karrion Cross, but Pete Dunne arrived instead. What did you make of this whole sequence? Uh, you know, Gargano in theory get the win here, but predictably, of course, the action is good. Ah, uh, man, I, I really enjoyed the main event of this show. And like I said, I really enjoyed Cole versus Hayes. But I would say my favorite part of this show was ba the babyface tease for the way. Like, I was just, because my overwhelming, like, overarching thing, I knew Diamond Mind was going to debut on this show, and I heard a lot of people being excited about that, but I was like, Diamond Mind seems like it's going to be a heel stable. I think we have an excessive amount of heel stables on NXT. Like, if you think about all the stables on NXT, Hit Row, um, the, the Way, 
and now Diamond Mine, and like they're all heels. So I needed one of them to make a babyface turn. And I like the difference in Johnny Gargano. You know, you have Adam Cole being defiant, being mad that Samoa Joe choked him out. You got Pete Dunn staring down Samoa Joe every chance he gets, carrying cross, dangling the carrot in front of him, like, you can't touch me. And then you got Johnny Gargano, like, no, I like Joe. I, I'm just gonna be a law abiding citizen. I'm not, <laughs> not gonna cause any chaos, any problem. I'm gonna gently put my mic down and the fans seem to really love them like mm -hmm. the way has been genuinely entertaining and it's been surprising i know me and you both were kind of down on johnny gargano initially during this heel turn but yeah. he's really you know turned the corner with that the like bailey just like yeah. bailey Absolutely. But Johnny Gargano is one of the greatest baby faces that's ever been on WWE. And we were reminded of that last night because babyface Johnny Gargano is the best. It's the okay. best Johnny Gargano. He's just so good when he's on a run, when he's got the hot tag during that matchup. I got reminded of Johnny Gargano in DIY whenever he got the hot tag and ran wild on the revival or ran wild on ALP. I got you know flashes of that and austin theory was really good and you know first he was funny in the the promo segment getting his finger snap and overselling that and then he sold the fingers very well during the match and the little subtle things like him uh getting tagged in and getting hurt in his hand and then him punching uh pete dunn and hurting his hand that way he did great and then he was a great baby face in peril to get the hot tag to johnny gargano and he has a very baby face offense like that springboard spanish fly is the best variation of the Spanish fly in WWE right now. So yeah. everything about this works. And I think that, uh, you know, if you're going to turn the whole entire stable over, I think the perfect way to do it is Candice LeRae accepts that her daughter loves a stalker in Dexter Loomis and Index turns Candice babyface as well. So the whole way can be a family on the babyface side. And I think that's going to make things a lot better and smoother for all the stables on NXT right now. Well, and then Dexter becomes like the muscle in the way. Exactly. Yeah. It all works. Yeah. And then they can do six mans with Dexter, Austin Theory, and Johnny Gargano. And they can add a fourth member by the time War Games comes and they can verse a hit roll or a diamond mine or whoever they're feuding with. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, it's all just playing out in my mind, SP3, and I like <laughs> it. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree on many fronts there. Like Johnny Gargano for me in the early going of not just turning hill, but the way I was just a bit like, eh, but he's become like all great heels who eventually become love, they're just too entertaining to deny. Yeah. He is very funny. I didn't think I would say that, but he is very, very funny. Um, I just love the little stuff that he does. And I think by proxy, Austin Theory has gotten a lot more comfortable and has been able to show his personality because the same thing. Yeah. Early going of the way, I was a bit like, eh, you know, they're trying with him or whatever. But now he just feels right that he's there. So I think that's great. But uh, when I look at Pete Dunne, man, and I, I I don't care if this sounds like national bias or anything like that. The guy is great every single week in the ring. Great. You, I mean, I think you could ostensibly make a case if he'd had some maybe more high-profile matches. But, I mean, he has had them. But he, he's he's to me, he's, in, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. Like, yeah. he, he legitimately is. What, there's nothing he can't do. He doesn't have a bad match with anyone. If Karrion Cross, like we think, is going up to the main roster and has to drop that belt, it has to be to Pete Dunne. It has to be. Because you look at, like, Gargano's had it, right? Uh, Cole has had it. O'Reilly would be an interesting turn on things. But I think on to Pete Dunne for then, Pete, uh, for then Kyle O'Reilly, because them two have got amazing chemistry work. as well. Or, you know, uh, I just, I think it has to be Pete Dunne personally um so either way like everything in this segment i just thought was a home hitter and uh, i think gargano probably you know they are going to the good side i think uh, indy hartwell grew, grew on me tremendously during yeah. this thing I, I remember when index started and i was like this is shite i was like what is this like but as it's gone along mostly through her performances and of course candace as well i've just come to like it um and it's just kind of you know it's all come full circle i guess uh i must note here dion chua saying plus sasha did the laugh before she turned on bianca that's true yeah. that is true but i don't know how much foreshadowing that was because she was doing it pretty much the entire title run like even before um bianca won but you're right because i did think to myself god this she's got to be turning towards towards mania she has to be um yeah i just 
she's better than than the laugh. That's my point. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I I just think um that could be a great stable of baby faces and uh, Pete Dunne. This whole tension with Samoa Joe. I mean, it, it, like Pete has knocked it out of the park with literally anyone. He's been in there with, and I was talking about high-profile matches, but okay, you look down the list of what he's done in NXT, but even Survivor Series weekend with Adam Cole two yeah. years two years ago, um, Tyler Bate, one of the greatest NXT matches of all time, regardless of brand that he had in Chicago. Who is going to argue that? The classics he had with Walter, like eh, Pete Dunne, he's that guy. It is that guy, and I'm going to keep banging that drum until it happens. Especially and now he- that he he looks more in the eye of the beholder where WWE would be like, hmm, Pete Dunne is that guy. Um, so there you have it. Let's move along anyway. Frankie Monet told us last week that she was going to be in action, and she was against Electra Lopez. What a name that is. Um, of course, you haven't heard that name before or much because she was here just to take the loss for Frankie Monet, um, looking great. Uh, the physical offense was, you know, exactly what Frankie does. Grand slam, uh, glam slam, sorry, for the win. Pretty much, we're not going to call it a carbon copy of the first squash that she had, but similar. Uh, and it just keeps us moving in the right direction for Monet, I think. I just want more. Like, it's been three months since it's she because, it's because it. It's because you and I know more that, yeah, we, want, that we want more. That is true. And it just feels like they're they're booking her like the old NXT where people didn't show up every single week. But, you know, we've been on USA for two years now where I see certain characters every week. And I'm just wondering why I can't see Frankie Monet more. Like, I remember the what last week we were like, oh, she still exists. She's here. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then you, you, when you think about it, she's been here three months and that's only her second match. Like, I just want her to get a few to kind of sink her teeth into. They kind of tease that she's going to be doing something with Jesse Kamea and Aaliyah and the Robert Stone brand. And I'm just like, blah. I'm like, like no. The, the first tease with Io Shirai had me much more interested. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that should have been like the direction she went to instead of them trying to make it seem like the women's tag team division is stacked when it's really not. Nah, because... Like Frankie and EO, if you're going to move, I don't know if EO's moving, but she should, in my opinion, if, yeah. if, and, and that would be the perfect gateway, right? EO on her way out, puts over Frankie, immediate player, EO's on the main roster. Like, that's what I think. I agree. Like EO needs EO needs to be on the main roster. I mean, there's a few people on this brand that I'm just like, how much more do you have for them? Like, yeah, it was great to see out of Cole versus Carmelo Hayes, but I'm just like, Cole seems like he's so past this. Like he should already be on the main roster. And the same <sighs> thing I feel for EO Shirai as well. I agree completely. To me, if there if there was two that I would say have to had to go and need that fresh start. It is Cole and Shirai. And, and, and I guess that comes with having a long run as yeah. champion. It's very difficult then to, you know, especially when you've worked with basically everyone there is to work with during your title reign, how do you then come out of that reign and just have a general feud with someone else? Or, you know, you, you can, of course, but I don't think NXT have maybe done the best job with either of them coming out of their long-term reigns. And as a result, people kind of like, you know what? they should probably move on out. And um, I, I think it's very hard to disagree with that. Um, Hit Row made their presence felt, uh, you know, with uh, a nice little spray paint. Uh, well, Everize, I should say, tried to do that on Hit yeah. Row. But Hit, Hit Row didn't eventually face them. And they, of course, they got the victory because Everize are basically the jobbers of the tag division. Um, talk to me, SP3. I, I love me some hit row. Um, you know, top dollar is the intimidator. Yeah, uh, I, I, what is it? Ashanti the Adonis has the best drop kick in WWE. I will say, I, I won't go as far as Wade Barrett said the best drop kick in the business because Kazuka Okada is still in the business, but best drop kick in WWE for sure is Ashanti the Adonis. And but that finisher. They need some work on. I would suggest watching some of the Briscoes because the whole power bomb into the neck breaker, it could yeah. be very dangerous. And it looked very close to, you know, breaking the member of Everrise's neck. I don't, I don't know either. I know Chase Parker. I don't know Mart some something Martel. I think Everrise gives me the feeling of like 
a, a very like jobber s version of Edge and Christian. Like they have that that Canadian, you know, charisma comedy to them, but they're very, you know, jobber s. I did like the little the little moment uh before the show when they were gonna spray paint the uh the hit rose uh, the van. uh van and top dollar says you can't wear ski max if you have your name on your chest. Like <laughs> I love that. And I was like, I was like, that is funny. They are funny together, but yeah, they I, I just want more for them because they have been showing signs that they do have a lot of like comedy to them. So hopefully they get an opportunity once some of these people, like we just said, you know, move up to the main roster. It gives them room to grow. Now, next up, uh, I want to say this for everyone who, watching in the chat right now. If you want to get your ultra chats in following our NXT discussion, you know what to do. It's WrestleTalk.com forward slash wrestling daily. Let us know your opinions uh, or join the gang. It's in the description as well. Either or. Take your pick. Um, but moving on to the finale of NXT, and it was Carlo Riley and Kushida, which when I realized it was yesterday, I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I, you know, this is going to be amazing. Of course, they have worked together before if you are privy to that information. Uh, and it was always very good. So I was almost certain that it wasn't going to be a clean finish to this, particularly as the show wore on and Diamond Mine, who we were told were going to arrive, hadn't appeared yet. So you're thinking, okay, well, it's going to tie into this somehow. I was thinking maybe Kyle or Kushida were like going to be the leaders. Cause you know, that MMA, um, it'd been teased that diamond mine was kind of MMA infused. And both of those guys, you know, are are legit, are just guys who could legit shoot and work. So I thought, Oh, maybe, maybe that will happen, but that's not what happened. SP three. Tell us what did. Oh, we got a really excellent, outstanding matchup. And it was a technical wrestling like clinic between these two guys. Just the transition from like submission to submission, the way these guys were like on the ground trading, it had a level of realism that you don't always see. It was like a mixture of amateur wrestling meets MMA with like Kashida going after the arm, Kyle O'Reilly looking for like heel hooks. And, you know, he got the surprise win, kind of reversing the hover board lock into a roll-up for Kyle O'Reilly to get the win here, but Kashida lost nothing at all. And they have really established the cruiserweight title as like the workhorse championship once again. So I like what they're doing with that. Uh, The one thing that I didn't like about this was more of the post-match. I did like the diamond mine half of it with them attacking Kushida, but you, like you said, they already teased that it's coming this week. It didn't feel like the surprise that it should have felt. I think they should have just continued hyping it the way they did on the Kyle O'Reilly part why do we need 101 pull apart brawls? Like I, you, I thought the whole purpose of Samoa Joe being the enforcer for William Regal was to maintain some order, but yet we had two or three pull apart brawls on this show as well. Like, could we slow it down? Could we just have one for a show yeah. <laughs> to see like Samoa Joe is making some type of difference when you have multiple of these? It's just like what is Samoa Joe here for? Is he really making things better? Or And I felt like it wasn't enough Joe. Like, we got the little backstage segment with him and Karrion Cross, and, you know, the Pete Dunne stare down, but outside of him breaking up brawls between the women and then Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, we didn't really see him throughout the night. And it was just like, uh, I wanted more from this. I mean, I won't say that this episode was a downer. I think it was another really good episode of NXT, but there's just some type of like nitpicks that I can like point yeah. out there, and that would be one of them. But I really like Diamond Mine just as the people that they got in it. Malcolm Bivens is one of my oh. favorite people in all of NXT. I've seen his work at Stokely Hathaway in ROH, where he elevated Moose in a lot of ways. I've seen him in Evolve, where he was the manager for Catchpoint. And this feels like Catchpoint 2, 2.0, because you got Tyler Rust in there, who's a really good technical wrestler. You got Hideki Suzuki, who I was wondering what they were going to do with him when he signed with WWE. And this seems to fit you know, his style very well. And Roderick Strong as the the main event guy. It was just like smile on my face. Roderick Strong with a great manager in a stable is money. He proved this in Ring of Honor with Truth Martini in the House of Truth. And he will prove it with Diamond Mine and Malcolm Bennett.
I've been saying for so long that I couldn't believe that he couldn't be, you know, couldn't be on TV more. Like, how was he not a fixture on NXT? The guy is one of the most naturally funny people you'll ever see, but he's a great talker as well and a heat magnet when needed. He's just, he's just a beautiful mixture. He could do both. Um, and I think Diamond Mine, like you said, when you look at that lineup, I think Roddy Strong, who I was moaning about just last week, like, where is he? Um, yeah. That's a perfect, perfect guy to, to kind of have in there and give it legitimacy off the bat, off the bounce. Um, you know, he, he, I, did I love Roddy Strong jumping from one faction to another? Not, you know, I guess on the, there was a little bit of that when I thought, eh, but, but this is what he'd done his whole career in Ring of Honor. He went from Generation Next to No More Morse Core to, to House of Truth. This is like the Roddy Strong. I know, thing. but Undisputed <laughs> Era was so long. Yeah, like, you know, I, I just thought, you know, maybe there would be more of a story in that. But I guess that will, you know, that will play out, right? Like, that's going to be part of it. So uh, I never thought... recruit Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish would fit in well with Diamond Mine. Very well. So would have Kyle O'Reilly, but he's clearly said sure. no to that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it's one of them things for Samoa Joe that you were touching on earlier. Sometimes less is more, not all the time, sometimes. Uh, and I and I think that's always going to be an issue because Samoa Joe is such a big star and presence that we are going to want a lot of Samoa Joe. You want to see him in these different situations, but also, you know, you don't want to blow your load early for want of a better term. Uh, they clearly are, I think, setting kind of teases for what could happen down the road. Like Pete Dunne is an obvious one. Karrion Cross is another one. We, di we didn't really touch on that, but they had another kind of intense interaction on the show. Um, I, I just feel like they have those plans for Samoa Joe, or they're at least laying the groundwork if it is possible. And you can't, as a result, jump. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. it's very difficult. You need to kind of spread it out. Let him, if you're going to have him as a weekly presence on TV as well, it's going to be very hard for him not to be dominating the show. Um, so I, I understand the the usage of him thus far. I think I do. Um, but I, I do expect it to ramp up and there'll be like a real story with him and somebody sooner rather than later. Adam Cole, of course, being teased as well. Um, so something's going to come of it. It's just you have to, you know, you have to keep it ticking along until it's ready to do it. Uh, let's get into our debate, as it were, after this wrestling talk, wrestling daily, well, wrestling talk, wrestling daily ultra chat from Chris yeah. Petrue. What's up, daily boys? I hope you are both good today. I am good. Great. Question for today. Do you think Tony Khan has a big storyline planned for AEW's eventual return to Wednesday nights. Due to the falling ratings on Fridays, he said due to, so I was like, what? Due to the falling ratings on Fridays, I'm curious to your thoughts. Thanks. Uh, I don't think they'll be panicking about the ratings, to be honest. Um, obviously, it's a different day. Playoffs, there's all these you know, mitigating factors that go on. Um, I think he has big plans in general, just knowing Tony Khan. I don't know if he'll launch something on the first show, but uh, I know Sammy and MJF is on that first show, which is a big match, you know, that they've been yeah. building building for a while that's been simmering away. Um, so I, I, I think Tony Khan is one of the only people in this day and age of wrestling who has his stools the vast majority set, right? Like Months in advance, he knows where he's going and what he wants for the most part, right? Like things can obviously change, but I think you see that that there is normally a running story that he has mapped out months down the line. Um, is he going to want to like inject something on a Wednesday? Sure, but I do think naturally the ratings are going to rise that they return to Wednesdays. Yeah, and you know, also you got this coming week where you got the Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy, as well as Hangman Page versus Powerhouse Hobbs. I'm a big BTE guy, and we saw the tease on BTE with uh, Dark Order going on their cocaine trip, where Hangman Page <laughs> had a vision and he was chasing after the AEW World Title. And we saw on last week's episode of Dynamite him being asked a question about Omega and talking about everything but Kenny Omega. So they are setting, you know, the breadcrumbs that we may be getting closer to Paige versus Omega. We saw it seemed like we were going down that run at double or nothing, and then they switched the course with him losing to Brian Cage. But they have that match in their back pocket and, you know, all out, 
they they seem like they're getting their guns ready to make all out a big time event they're one of their like major events of the year and hangman two years after he lost to chris jericho in the inaugural aew world title match against kenny omega who has a lot of injuries and it might be time for him to drop the title it would make sense to kind of go to that matchup. So I think they had that matchup in their back pocket. Jericho and MJF have a lot of legs to it. So they have some things that they can get up and running when they get back on Wednesday. I've said this for the longest time, and I will say it again. Hangman will be the guy to dethrone Kenny. MJF will be the guy to dethrone him. And I hope Wardlow is the guy to dethrone MJF. That is my lineage. Um, of course, it's open to fluctuation. But I do think that would be great in terms of evolving the talent involved and keeping things hot and fresh. Yeah. And you know, I think all of them are main event players. So and Another major match, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, one year after Thunder Rosa initially came into uh, the AEW. So there's a bunch of money matchups that they can build up all out for. So I think we're going to start seeing things up and running when they get back absolutely now with 10 minutes left in the show we are gonna debate the greatest gms of all time now uh, again we have to go with our mount rushmores and typically speaking that's going to be four picks each yes. i don't know how you want to do this sp3 maybe we'll throw some at the wall and we'll see if we both have the same opinion allow me to start with one okay. <laughs> for me mick foley 2000 makes the Mount Rushmore. Oh. Does he for you? He, he, yeah, he may have to because, like, there's not a lot of great baby face uh, authority figures. I would argue the greatest baby face. I, That's I, why I've got him in there. I know Regal could be construed, but from a week-to-week basis, who was really involved, uh, it's hard, man. Like, I'm not saying 2016 Foley. Uh, yeah, um, and I know Kurt Angle was like a baby face GM, but Foley was electric. Uh, every all of his segments, week to week basis, you can make a serious argument that he helped Edge and Christian during this period of time. Oh, like, yeah, he was elevating Kurt Angle and uh, different guys that he was involved with. Um, you know, he he would open the show with promos that certainly didn't suck at all. Like they would take us in good directions, and he had the history with the performers like Triple H in that period of time. I thought it was the right time, right place, right man. It's one of the most fun. I've had watching the product with hit with the commissioner, uh, an authority figure. For me, he has to be in there because I enjoyed it as as much. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. The only like knock against him was the second run of him as an authority figure in <laughs> 2016. I said 2000. I know, it. I know, I know, I know, but that's the knock against him. Like, I think we we have to have like one or two babyface authority figures, and he's definitely in the running. I mean, the obvious one that I think we both are gonna have as far as like a, I, I was making it an authority figure. Mount Rushmore specifically, not GM authority figure. Yeah, gotta have this man, right? Yeah, of course, gotta, gotta have course. Vince. Vince of is course. just an automatic to have, and uh, you know, we'll, so we could put Foley two thousand is specifically two thousand. So we gotta have the on the Mount Rushmore Foley with the commissioner shirt. That has yeah, yeah, the, 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 you know, yeah, the plaid plaid shirt. Yeah. Um, keep and, him we, in there. and we gotta have his set, one of his sets in the back. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, you know, like the um. The, the umbrellas that he had in his drinks and yeah, he knows. Right. Um, I, I think like you said though, like, you know, Vince is a given. Um, and again, he wasn't even like, you know, just stipulated as a GM or anything, but he was the owner and he was just calling the shots. Um, tyrannical Vince, like almost the original heel runners as the boss was incredible, man. Like the way he would stack the odds against people, like he made so many people that if it was a different person portraying the, the same role, pardon me. I don't think it would have been the same. Like Vince really executed it tremendously well. I mean, we've 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 had this discussion before. He's among the greatest hills in the history of the business, maybe oh. the greatest. Um, you know, so to to if he's up there with that, then there's no way you can't have him here. Um, you know, and I know people will make the same case for Bischoff. Now he had like two runs. Yeah. He had two runs now, where obviously kind of NWO leader um in in wcw and the way he run the show there but then also the way he run raw which you know what was it it's like three years 02 to 05 um and again when bishop first came into raw i remember being a bit like oh you know i don't know um but 
I really did end up enjoying it. You know, I know like, you know, hot lesbian action is like easily forgotten. Um, you know, and it was raw roulette and elimination um, chamber. Yeah. Three minute warning and all of this stuff, like a lot happened under his jurisdiction. Uh, you know, he was always kind of favorable to the Hills and the, uh, Oh God, Nick Dinsmore, Eugene, um, that, yeah, that whole that story, man. I mean, again, today be awfully received it really would but um back then the way he was just trying to like crap on him all the time and the way regal became like a big baby faces like you know that it was kind of good stuff um so i think i i think bischoff and and lest we forget the dynamic you had with steve austin so that was the best part like exactly and the build-up to survivor series 03 one of the greatest a black belt. And he was out there like with uh, Chief Morley and he's kicking fruit and shit. It was great. And then his crew, he had Chief Morley. He had coach at, at one time. He introduced yeah. Johnny Nitro. I was just about to say Johnny yeah, Nitro. Like, like, yeah, he had a lot. He introduced a lot of characters. And there's more. Not, Johnny Nitro was around in like late 02? Yeah. 03? Like, Jesus, he's been around a long time. Um, But yeah, I... I I don't know if I'm going to say, yeah, he's there, but I mean, he, he has a case. We have to I, say, I think, I think he's there because if you, yeah. take both, you take both parts, even like the, the WCW run, like he was comparable to Vince McMahon in the WCW run. Like, I still, oh, I, I mean, I in position only. I mean, because, come on. Because of that turn, I'm sorry. Like, the turn is not as infamous as the, the Montreal screw job, like Vince yeah. going from How Vince to Mr. McMahon. It can't be, but. That turn with Roddy Roddy Piper, kind of the only person who saw through him, like was like Bischoff. I know, like you're 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 trying to hold me back. You're trying to deny me the matchup with Hulk Hogan, and then you know NWO coming out and attacking Roddy Roddy Piper, and then that grin just comes yeah. on his face. Like that is one of the best like authority figure reveals that I've seen in my wrestling lifetime. Like I'm a bit, I was very much a WCW fan at that time, and I was like. I hated Eric Bischoff and I <laughs> despised him. And, you know, the stuff he did with like Larry Sabisco before uh, Starcade 1997, the stuff with Ric Flair and Ric Flair's return, that promo. That was Flair, real, brother. Yeah, that was real, it. brother. That dude, that real life animosity and the, their matchups and their feud. Like, there was a lot of great stuff from the WCW run. I feel like, you know, because we watch WWE and WWE has been able to tell the story, it's kind of revisionist history. And it only points yeah. out the bad of Bischoff as the authority figure. And, but it's not pointing out, you know, it doesn't always point out what he did on camera. It points out what he did behind the camera. On yeah. the camera, I think he was a very effective character. And he was like the central authority figure in a time that they kind of needed. They kind of, he kind of preceded the, the whole Mr. Command character because he was introduced. Yeah. In November of 1996, a full year before the Mr. McMahon character comes into fruition, so it kind of it kind of can be portrayed that the Mr. McMahon character was an answer to that. But we all know that it was more because of real life. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think Mr. McMahon happens unless Montreal Screwjob happens, yeah, and obviously, and obviously, like he that was like a on day decision. Um, so I don't know if they could have mapped out. They were like, you know, the way to get Vince. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that. I know what you are saying. Though, let me let so, me just say I'm still upset that uh, I watched that AD biography Bret Hart and Vince is still convinced he had no other choice but to screw Bret Hart 25 years later. What <laughs> you put the title on him and then decided you couldn't give him that 10 year you, you, you knew, yeah. I mean, they, they could have done anything, could have done anything. He put himself in that corner anyway. Um, but yeah, the, the, I say he in that corner, it was his own corner. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a very compelling case for Bischoff. I, I, I'd be tempted to argue he didn't make anyone like Vince made. Like you could make, yeah. you could make a big, a big argument that Vince made not only Steve Austin but The Rock, right? Like he yeah. played a big part in The Rock, and that's the two biggest superstars has ever been. So if True. if if we were to go like, there's only four spots and you had to edge one out, I would say Vince beats Bischoff. But well, I'm not that's, saying that's three so far. Who would you make the the fourth face? Well, With this is what Tony. I'm saying. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying Bischoff isn't on, but I'm saying if you said it had to be Vince or Bischoff, yeah, I think true, I would go. True. I think I think I would go with Vince. I'm a big Bischoff fan, just yeah. to just to quantify. Um, oh, I I mean Regal and NXT as a case. 
Yeah, I was gonna I, say I was gonna say these are the ones I like just pop into my head. Regal, yeah. Regal and NXT, right? And Regal during that that short like two month run as the Raw General Manager in two thousand eight. He was he was money before his suspension. And, he was, and by the way, he was funny as the commissioner in 01 as well. That's also true. Uh, Teddy Long, because of that longevity and the t- the stuff that's still mentioned, tag team match player. Uh, you're going up against one on one. the Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. uh, Vicky Guerrero with Edge. That, that run was very, very good. And I think that, you know, Edge kind of needed that at the time when he lost Lita. He was kind of, you know, we couldn't really say that he had the same rated R superstar. So the ultimate opportunities was his next like stage of character. And a lot of that is down to Vicky Guerrero as the general manager and their whole affair thing. Yeah, um, yeah I would say I would say those three are in the running. But I would say, yeah, I, I kind of say I think Regal's the winner. Regal, yeah, is the song. Uh, uh, if, if you wanted me to put that in order, I'd probably say. Regal Vicky. And what was your other one? Uh, Teddy Long. Teddy Long. Oh, man, that's tough. That's harsh on Teddy. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, either way, uh, you know, I mean, Heyman on SmackDown as well. Yeah. You know, I, he, I feel Heyman's always better as a manager. Oh, you know, infinite, infinitely. Yeah. And, or, yeah, and or a booker. Um, yeah. But I, I think Regal is one of those who I said earlier, like, less is more. And I feel like he has done the general manager role. In particular, when you look at those guys who maybe set the table for what we've come to expect from a general manager, I think Regal has maybe managed the influence and expectations better than anyone. It's not too much. He doesn't sway particularly either way, but he's fair. He's entertaining. Um, he plays his part when he needs to. You know, People may or may not know, he played a big role in Pete Dunne's early part on WWE in that NXT, yeah. in, in that UK championship and kind of like, you know, the whole getting in his face after the Sam Gradwell stuff. It's, he's very, um, I don't want to say understated, but he's almost subtle in how, how great his work is. And the fact that he's been so good for like, what, it's, it's been seven years? Seven he's been years, the, yeah. the NXT GM. Uh, and nobody is like calling for, for William Regal to go. This isn't like a Johnny Ace or Mike Adamley situation. Um, you know, I, I think it's very difficult to look past the guys that we've mentioned. Foley 2000, Vince Bischoff, and are we saying Regal? Regal Is it Regal? Yeah, I think Regal's the fourth with the yeah. honorable mention to Teddy. Teddy deserves a, at least the honorable mention, but yeah, Teddy, I feel, I feel Teddy, Regal, I, Regal I think strong. you made a good you made a good point on Vicky and Edge that I hadn't particularly considered because and obviously she's annoying she's a lovely wonderful person in real life by the way vicky but my god she's annoying um and she did that so well but i guess if we're like the parameters and the criteria is like their influence or impact and how entertaining they were yeah it's hard it's hard to look past uh it's hard to look past that run um and in, in his own little way, Austin deserves a nod because he, he was so good post-retirement in that role, right. just going around and, and beating the crap out of people. Sheriff Austin. Yeah, yeah, Sheriff Austin with the, was. With the doom buggy. Yeah. All right, here's the question then. Who's the greatest out of the four? Who's the greatest out of the four? It's got to be Vince. It it's got to be Vince. Vince. He's the go. He's the goal with authority figure. Like there, uh, he, he revolutionized authority figure. And like you said, Austin, Rock, Triple H, Foley, like he really made a lot those four guys who are like four of the pillars of the attitude era i don't think they would their a lot of their greatest memories are with Vince McMahon. yeah absolutely can't argue that yeah, my man helmsley faction actually deserves a shout because that yeah. was a one that was a wonderful point of tv anyway guys i know there's like a fan cause or mania going on right now guys so i'm gonna let you hop over to that channel sp3 man you've been wonderful as usual let the people know what's going on on true who heat this week uh, check out my mine and Chrissy Love's review of the China documentary. Probably one of the toughest things I've ever had to recap, and such a sad and uh, it's it's a it's a riveting story about her career, her fall, and then her trying to come back to reconstruction of China and how many people let her down in her life. So definitely check that out over on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel, as well as Saturday True Hill Heat one thirty one with myself, Chrissy Love, and Top Guy JJ.
Yeah, don't like China's manager. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, bad. Uh, thank you for tuning in, guys. I'll be back tomorrow with Stephanie Chase. I know there's no AEW Dynamite again, but we will take Q&As and do some fun stuff. Don't you worry. Uh, and then on Friday, Ella J is in the house. Uh, you, you may or may not know Gore TV producers, and she's out there interviewing, doing a good work. Check her out on Twitter if you can. Um, next week, there is going to be some fluctuation with England. I believe we're on Tuesday at 5 p.m. So technically this show should be unaffected. I could be wrong. And then if we win that game, we'd be on Saturday, I believe. At eight, I think. Or five, I don't know. We'd be on Saturday. So um, just bear that in mind. The show shouldn't be affected moving forward, but I will let you know any changes until later. Thank you very much for joining. Take care and good night. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.